0: It's Tuesday, November the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Trump all but tweets in the towel, and BB meets MBS. First, the World in Brief. President Donald Trump tweeted permission for the White House transition to begin. Moments earlier, the head of the General Services Administration, Emily Murphy, announced somewhat grudgingly that she had ascertained that Joe Biden was the apparent president-elect in light of available facts. That frees up millions of dollars to help Mr. Biden move his team into government. For his part, Mr. Trump vowed to continue his so far fruitless attempts to overturn the election result in the courts. Michigan, undaunted, certified its 16 Electoral College votes for Mr. Biden. Meanwhile, Mr Biden fleshed out his proposed cabinet. He will nominate Janet Yellen, a former head of the Federal Reserve, as his Treasury Secretary, and John Kerry as Climate Tsar. Linda Thomas-Greenfield is his pick for Ambassador to the United Nations and Anthony Blinken for Secretary of State. The appointments suggest that Mr Biden's team will be steadfastly moderate. Mohammed bin Salman, Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince, reportedly held a secret meeting on Sunday with Binyamin Netanyahu, although the Saudis unconvincingly denied any powwow had taken place. Iran and trade talks were on the table, but the leaders failed to reach substantial agreements. Donald Trump had urged the two countries to find common ground. French judges postponed Nicolas Sarkozy's trial. The former president was due to appear in court, having been accused of corruption and influence peddling. Judge Gilbert Azibel, one of Mr Sarkozy's co-accused, asked for a delay on medical grounds as he is at higher risk of getting seriously ill from COVID-19. The trial will resume on Thursday. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, outlined plans for COVID-19 restrictions for England after a national lockdown ends on December 2nd. It will return to a strengthened three-tier system. Gyms and non-essential shops will be allowed to reopen. Collective worship and weddings can resume. Although regions find out what tier they will be in on Thursday, keenly awaited Christmas plans are still being worked out. Joshua Wong and two other pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong pleaded guilty to charges of unauthorised assembly in June 2019. Mr Wong, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam, members of Demosisto, a group which disbanded after the Chinese government imposed a controversial national security law, were remanded in custody. They face jail terms when sentenced next week. And Oxford University and AstraZeneca, a British pharmaceutical firm, said their vaccine is effective in preventing COVID-19. The announced 70% effectiveness combines data from two different dosing regimens. It proved 90% effective when trial subjects received a half dosage in the first of two injections. It was 62% effective with two full doses. Manufacturing has begun in 10 countries. And now, here's today's agenda. Now Hiring Joe Biden's White House Despite Donald Trump belatedly giving the go-ahead for a White House transition, his lawyers continue to insist that the election was somehow stolen. While that circus rolls noisily on, President-elect Joe Biden has been assembling his staff and cabinet. Unsurprisingly, he seems to have a predilection for experienced centrists. He nominated Anthony Blinken, Barack Obama's former Deputy Secretary of State and Deputy National Security Advisor, as his Secretary of State. Jake Sullivan, a close advisor to Hillary Clinton, is to be National Security Advisor. And Linda Thomas-Greenfield, a longtime diplomat sacked by Mr Trump, will serve as ambassador to the United Nations. John Kerry, former senator and presidential candidate, is to be the country's first climate czar. Mr Biden has reportedly chosen Janet Yellen, a former Federal Reserve Chair, as Treasury Secretary. She will be the first woman in that job. Michelle Flournoy may break another glass ceiling by becoming the first female Secretary of Defense. (laughs) To put fears in arrears, American house prices. The economic downturn caused by COVID-19 understandably made homeowners nervous that their house prices would plummet. But they have not. Today, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, an American regulator created in 2008 after the country's subprime mortgage crisis, releases its monthly home price index. It is likely to show prices rising at a similar rate to the previous two quarters. Greater demand for homes has accompanied falling demand in the rental market. According to a new report by researchers at Harvard University, American rents have contracted this year, reversing a decade of average annual increases of about 2%. Rents for posh pads are to blame, falling by 2% year on year. But competition for affordable homes has increased. This has been fueled by younger folk who desire more space to work from home and who have started to leave big cities for more affordable locales. Not-so-secret allies, Saudi Arabia and Israel Binyamin Netanyahu, Israel's Prime Minister, flew on Sunday to meet Mohammed bin Salman, Saudi Arabia's de facto leader. It created quite a stir. Although there have been many secret, high-level Israel-Saudi meetings before, Israel is for the first time briefing the media about it. The Saudis are not about to normalise relations with Israel, as Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates recently did. Indeed, they put out a belated and unconvincing denial of the get-together. But Israel's briefing sends two geopolitical messages. The first, to Iran, is that despite the change of guard at the White House, Israel and Saudi Arabia will continue to cooperate against their common foe. The second is to Joe Biden's incoming administration. It should not return to Barack Obama's balancing act between the Iranians and the Saudis, but rather support the ready-made Israeli-Saudi alliance. Mr Netanyahu is adroitly trying to create facts on the ground before Mr Biden takes over. threes a charm, the AstraZeneca-Oxford vaccine. In the spring, it was difficult to imagine that within a year, three effective vaccines against COVID-19 would emerge. Yet they have. On Monday, AstraZeneca, a British pharmaceutical firm, and Oxford University reported that their vaccine was 70% effective. It joins two others, from Pfizer and BioNTech, and Moderna, which both report efficacy of around 95%. AstraZeneca Oxford's lower effectiveness score should not yet be counted against it. When administered with a half dose initially, early data suggest its efficacy can reach 90%, and the new vaccine will be cheaper and easier to distribute. It keeps for at least six months in a normal fridge, meaning it can be stored in surgeries or pharmacies. Pfizer's must be stored at minus 70 degrees Celsius, Moderna's lasts in a normal fridge for only a month. Three billion doses could be produced next year, many in poorer countries. All the vaccines must go through further checks, but it is another reason for hope. Grounded. Aviation's bigwigs meet online. Today, airline industry leaders will not gather as usual for the annual general meeting of the International Air Transport Association. A two-hour video conference call will replace the usual glitzy three-day weekend of a shindig. Few chief executives will bother dialling in, being preoccupied with saving their businesses from COVID-19. Fewer still have enough cash in the company coffers to travel, even if the event were taking place physically. Hopes of an industry rebound have been delayed. European air traffic has been down more than 60% year-on-year in recent weeks. American airports are slightly busier, but only thanks to Thanksgiving. With many of its members facing bankruptcy, IATA wants governments to replace travel quarantines with a system for testing passengers before departure. That would be costly, difficult to scale and potentially ineffectual. Britain hopes to reduce quarantine times if travellers obtain a negative Covid-19 test upon arrival. That may well be a better approach. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Lawrence Stern, who was born on this day in 1713. The desire of knowledge, like the thirst of riches, increases ever with the acquisition of it.